We are live. Look at that. Atari podcast is back. It's been a while. It's the first time back in a while. And it's the first time streaming. I've never streamed this live. So doing something different here, doing something new. Nobody's well. I'm seeing zero on the watch count here. So well, you know, we average we average zero, right? Yeah, so somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Only way to go to tops here. I guess that's your streaming. Oh, okay. Here we go. Cool. Well, thanks for joining for those watching. Um I'm Jason. I you just said nobody's watching, right? Yeah, but that's not true because we're on. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, it's live. Usually, I edit all this stuff out in in post, but I guess I won't be doing that this time. So, all right. I'm Jason Polanski, producer here at Atari, joined by our VP of Games, Ethan Stearns, which for some reason is labeled as Jason on my screen. Oh no! Why. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Fix that. And uh, joined by Mark Perloff, who is also a producer here and the producer on Mr. Run and Jump, which we'll be talking about later in more detail. So, fellas, thanks Whoa. for joining. We are back after a long hiatus. The last time we did one of these was um, when Gravatar came out doing a bit of a Let's Play. Um, and a lot has happened since then. So... Think I've kind of teased this. I've wanted to do this for a while. Been wanting to bring back the podcast. Um, the stream thing is new, but I think it's going to be pretty cool. It'll be easier to engage with people, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be a fun, a fun little thing we do. The goal, the intent, is to do these every other week, possibly more. But I think that's pretty reasonable based on all the stuff that we have going on and uh, setting expectations properly. So that's the goal moving forward, starting today. And I will also be putting this on the podcast channel after uh, we record, but probably a day later. So that's the uh, that's the intention here. So yeah, but just want to get that. Bear with bear with us. We're we're slowly coming up to speed here, right? Totally, totally, actually. And I and I might be a little rusty because I haven't done this in a while. But uh, I actually want to start with a. I think the way I want to start most of these is with a a warm up question, one that uh, you guys are not prepared for. Um, oh, something that's a bit okay. topical, something that's not, maybe it's game related. Maybe it's not in this case, it's not. Um, I was like, what's topical? What's hot? What's everybody talking about? Let's start with some controversy. What do you see in this weekend? Barbie or Oppenheimer? Let's start there. Why Ethan, not? Why not both? You could be both. Yeah, absolutely. Be an either. Well, which do you see first? Um, you know, it kind of depends. I have I have a younger kid, so I think my daughter would like to go see Barbie. So if I end up going with her to a movie, I go see Barbie. Um, but if it's just me, I'm going to go see Oppenheimer. All right, fair enough. Mark, what do you say? I mean, realistically, I'm probably not going to see either, at least not anytime soon, because I I haven't been to the movies and since before the pandemic, which is insane. Fair enough. Um, I think in a vacuum, if I had to choose one, I, I would go. Oppenheimer. I like Christopher Nolan. I mean, I love Greta Gerwig too, but like, I don't know. I, I know that Barbie's supposed to be really good. I'm sure it is. The, the Rotten Tomatoes is, is, you know, super high, but something about it just being like about a, a toy. I know Lego movie was good, but something about it like kind of turns me off a little bit. Right on. Totally fair. Totally fair. I'm also going on vacation though uh, tomorrow, so I'm going to be away so I don't know. It's gonna be one of those no one's things. gonna hold you accountable to this question. Just to be clear, oh, it's okay, a, good. Oh. In a in a vacuum, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's sorry. Not, there's not gonna be a. We're not I thought everyone back. on the Discord was gonna yell at me. Yeah, and say like, "Hey, man, did why you didn't see you both see that? of those movies? Right, and prove it. Show your work. Show us the stubs. Sorry, I will. I will. I'll bring the stubs to, uh, back to Discord soon. 
and I'll let everyone know. And by the way, anyone who's watching the stream, um, please go check out Discord. I think I have a thing here I can put up on screen. Right over Mark's face. If anyone uh, wants to join the Discord, we have a fun Discord with uh, uh, lots of cool people who love talking about Atari, Atari games, Atari VCS, lots of different stuff. So uh, right. join the Discord, join the conversation. Yeah. So now, oh, go ahead, Mark. No, no, no. I was just ducking under the, the QR Got it. code. Duck under the QR code. Yeah, good call. Uh, so yeah, with the warm-up question out of the way, I'm going to see both. Um, this section, uh, this part of the podcast, how I want to start most of these is with Atari News. And uh, thanks to Ethan, we have this cool little uh, interstitial. All right, it's some, sometimes it's awesome. It's really good. I thought that was great stuff. The production values are through the roof. Um, really, really love it. Um, as far as news goes, I, I honestly just wanted to use this time as a, as a means to reflect on where we've been since uh, since the last time we've done one of these podcasts. We've done a lot, put out a lot of content. Uh, since Gravatar Recharge, we've actually put out uh, three more Recharge games with Yars, Missile Command, and uh, and Caverns of Mars. And we have another one coming out in uh, in August. We've released Aka R, uh, which is which is awesome. I mean, a lot of the I mean, all of these games are awesome. Let's be real. Uh, we released Pixel Ripped uh, on on PSVR two and quest and pcvr we've um and we've announced so many games that are be, going to be coming out later this year uh we got mr run and jump as i mentioned before which is coming out next week we have and then after that we're gonna have uh days of doom and then haunted house and we've announced lunar lander beyond there is so much stuff and there's even more that we have not announced so there will never be a shortage of content for this there will uh and there's just a lot of stuff to look forward to. So, Ethan, I don't know if you have anything you want to comment on for the for the past, the future. Of uh, no, I mean, I'm kind of new to the party. And so I've just been excited to be working on all these cool games and uh, really excited to bring all the new games out. Um, and, you know, there's there's some other ones that are going to be kind of fun for the community coming up recently which we haven't we haven't announced yet but really soon um something that's going to be uh coming first to the vcs platform uh as a as like a an early release on vcs before we we go wide with it next year so more on that probably at the next podcast uh maybe we'll announce it there but um yeah i don't know i'm just really excited to really excited to be part of the community and and working on games i love games so much so um it's cool to be here pretty cool should we uh i have some trailers queued up here too we could also jump into the some news on news is our tra our trailers do you wanna, let's let's play the lunar lander one you want to play lunar lander one yeah let's play lunar lander trailer it began with the moon chosen for us by ancestors from centuries past and so, here we are. Scattered across planets, we reach out into space, grasping for the infinite. Our forebears chose the moon for 
they never lived to travel. Oh man, I hope so. That's uh, it's really going to have a profound statement. Uh, I think the I think the game will have an equal impact as Oppenheimer will on uh, on the social sphere. The man, J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yeah, equal impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that game that game's going to be awesome though, and it's done by the team at Dreams Incorporated, who did uh, who worked on Chris Tales prior, which is an absolutely gorgeous and and really really well done uh, RPG. So if you haven't checked that out and you want something to, you know, warm up before that comes out or wait for more information or set expectations on what that game can be, that's a good place to go. Support those guys at trains because they do awesome work. Um, I'll definitely get them on one of these uh, one of these podcasts in the future to talk about that game in detail as we show more about it in the future. So, yeah, that's um, it's not really too much on the news front. Well, I Otherwise, I think. I was just going to add that uh, we haven't talked about it publicly before, but um, letting people know that we are planning to be at PAX, uh, Penny Arcade Expo, uh, PAX West, PAX Prime, however um, you refer to it, uh, in a in a big way. Like we're we're going to do a good sized booth. We're really excited about being there, um, and hopefully we'll have some playable for Lunar Lander. Just teasing that out there. That'll be probably yeah. the first time we see some real gameplay from the game. Yeah, we're super excited for that. And we're going to be at uh, Plan YC yeah, for those local to the New York City area. So that'll be coming soon as well. Yeah, I was looking for that. There's a, we have a special code for Plan YC. So anyone who is interested in attending that event, um, we have a code for that. Uh, so people, I think it's a discount code. I got to check it out. I'll find it. I'll put it into the um, into the comments. When I find it, right on. Good stuff. Now I have. Um, I did ask some questions on short notice uh, to the community to see what they uh, to see if they had anything to ask us. And I mean, I gotta say, like, nod toast. This guy, he he gave he rattled off like four questions. I'm not gonna answer them all, but there is a there is one qu there. So I've grabbed two questions um, that I want to pull from his, which is one. Will the recharge series continue into 2024? Uh, nothing to announce at this point. We have Quantum. I could say that there is at least something coming beyond that, but I won't say any more than that. Um, and then lastly, uh, Ethan, I'm going to put this to you to answer. Uh oh. Which is, uh, can you give an update on Food Fight? Can I give an update on Food Fight? So, um, Recently, some people from the Discord community may have gotten invites to uh, some playtesting. So we've been doing some current playtesting on the game. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the servers are all working correctly for the multiplayer before it comes out. So we don't have anything to announce yet. But since we're doing those playtesting and network testing, it kind of speaks to um, uh, how far along we are with the game right now. So I don't really have anything else to add, but... Um, it's still, it's still, it's still back there. Still working on it. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. Well, with that, we've kept, uh, 
We've kept him waiting in the in the wings long enough. I told him to be about 15 minutes. We are 15 minutes on the dot. So I'm going to bring in John McCullough from Graphite Lab, and we are going to go deep into Mr. Run and Jump. And I'm going to play this uh, this awesome video that uh, that Ethan put together. But first, let me bring in let me bring in John. John, welcome. You are obscured. There you go. Now you're um, not obscured. And now I'm gonna play howdy. this video. Now I'm gonna play this video that Ethan put together, and we're gonna, and then we're gonna start chat. It's so good. Whoa. It's, so, it's so professional. <laughs> it's really on the professional side of public access. You love to see it. I think. I think you know. I wish. I wish. I. I aspire to hit the bar of public access intros. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was great. I never had such a such a warm welcome like that. I've never had hey. graphics made specially for for me and run and jump like that. Yeah, well, that surprises me. I assume that every time you walked into the office, the things were playing for you. <laughs> you know, I I wish it really should be, but uh, you know. Well, John, you're a you're a special guy, right? John Makula. I think I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Always, yep. always roll the dice. Um, but I got to ask, let's start here. How'd you, how'd you get to where you are at Graphite? We're going to get deep. Let's start talking. Let's talk about yourself. Talk about yourself. How'd you get to, uh, you know, be the guy who made Mr. Run Jump? Oh, man. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, that's a good question, I guess. Uh, so uh, let's see. I'm from Chicago originally. Um, I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, went to school downtown at a place called... It's not called this anymore, uh, but it was called at the time Tribeca Flashpoint Media Arts Academy. Um, and it is a uh, there's one in New York. They have a campus in there, too. But um, it was a school. It was kind of a their whole pitch was kind of like, you know, OK, you, you sign up with us. We get you in and out in two years. And we have kind of these four kind of media tracks that you can sign up for. And the, these will be your focus, right? So they had one for film, they had one for audio, they had one for animation, and then they had one for games. Uh, so I was looking for, you know, I, I've played games all my life. It's something I've thought about forever. It's something, you know, that I, I wanted to be a part of. So I was looking at kind of, you know, game-centric programs in schools kind of around the city. Looked at this one. I really liked their approach, you know, so it was something you'd go, you'd sign up for the game course. Your first year would be kind of taking these like generalist classes, right? Like, uh, so you, you would take like an intro to game art and you take an intro to game business and kind of stuff like that. Um, and then your second year is when you, you dive in deep on like, if you want to get into programming, you take the focus programming course and you take the focus art course and or the focus producer course, kind of stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, as I as I kind of dug into it, I really liked the programming option, I guess. Uh, so I, I wound up taking the programming course and then, you know, two years went by. I graduated, um, sent my resume everywhere, any kind of like, you know intro or, um, you know, like junior programmer or, you know, even just anything that wasn't like senior, you know, cause I'm like, I, I probably can't pull a senior programming role just yet, but, um, you know, uh, it, it was around that time I kind of stumbled upon graphite lab, 
sent my resume, you know, uh, you know, working for Matt Rafel, who's my boss still and interviewed with him and got the job that was around 2013. Um, I got that job. Um, so we're coming up, it's like a couple weeks away, but like we're coming up on like my 10 year at my 10 year anniversary at graphite lab. Um, so it's just kind of been a lot of like, you know, since then it's been a lot of like, you know, pulling the strings, you know, uh, finding out people's dirty secrets, like, you know, uh, trying to, you know, really like, uh, uh, conducting, you know, pulling the marionette strings and, and manipulating my way to the top and, mm. uh, figuring out how. Good. Okay, cool. This is the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But whose, no, I mean, uh, whose strings did you pull? Name names. Uh, uh, one Jason Polanski. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now? Hang on a second. Wait, hey, hey. No, I mean, uh, you know, I started out kind of doing, uh, I was hired as like a generalist or uh, a gameplay programmer was my official role. And uh, there was someone else there who was kind of a lead, you know, who I was kind of learning from. And then he kind of, you know, he found something else and left, you know, maybe around a year after I started. So at that point, I was kind of on my own. And, you know, we were doing a ton of like, uh, we were doing a ton of mobile games at the time. So we were doing, you know, stuff with like various Hasbro properties. We were making like interactive storybooks based on like Transformers cartoons and My Little Pony cartoons and things like that. So uh, that wound up being kind of where I cut my teeth, I guess, uh, you know, in terms of like making actual product. And then, uh, uh, you know, around that time you were getting into hive jump, you know, which was kind of graphite's, uh, big original IP that we got kickstarted, you know, way back when, uh, I forget how much we raised. We raised, we raised, I want to say $30,000. Maybe I'm making that up. We, we raised a, a bunch of money, I'll say. Um, so I, I was a part of that team. Um, that, that I guess was where we kind of started looking at console games, doing that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, from there, you know, just because there was no one else around, I was kind of thrust into kind of the, you know, lead programming role you know more like soul programming uh <laughs> is what I, how i thought of myself for a while and uh you know around that time we hired a couple more people um and uh you know started learning how to kind of you know manage a team like that and you know it's just kind of been like slow growth ever since you know uh i think um uh, around when we were doing like uh, we were doing like roller coaster tycoon for you guys, or we were doing roller coaster tycoon puzzle, you know, the, uh, the mobile, yep. Yep. uh, you know, uh, park builder kind of match three puzzle version of roller coaster. I started, you know, asking for more design work, you know, getting, trying to bridge that gap from programmer to game designer. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of from there, I started like writing pitches and doing stuff like that and kind of having this hybrid position at Graphite Lab where I'm both kind of senior programmer and also game designer. And on Run and Jump, I was game director. So, um, so it's, you know, I, I'm sure that was, that was a long-winded way, I guess, of answering your question. But that's, that's kind of me. That's kind of been my career up until, up until this point. 
I think that's awesome. No, that's great. Oh, that's that's, great. that's a that's a perfect answer. I actually didn't realize what we have in common is that we both worked on uh, Hasbro stuff around 2013 or so. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, what, I worked uh, on. What some, were you on? Oh man, I did some. Uh, I did some mobile games for Hasbro. The uh, I did a advert game for Nerf and Beyblade, and hmm. I also did. I also worked on the when they tried to bring back Furby with like the crazy <laughs> LED eyes. There was a companion app, and that was actually something that I I worked on with uh, with a separate team out in Salt Lake, and that was that was. Um, that was a rough one because the the actual technology that they used for the app, like one of the things that came with that app is you were able to feed Furby and translate what Furby was saying. And the way they did that to make it feel like magic was to not have any Bluetooth syncing or anything like that. So what they had instead was everything was communicated with high pitched audio waves. Now, <laughs> oh, okay, the the fun thing about that is the people that were telling us about it are all guys who are quite old and didn't have the ability to hear those things. However, me in my early 20s, I was very much able to hear them every single time. And I this, still, this is really I, funny. Yeah. I, I, um, so while I was in school, I had an internship at a place called Chewy Software that was up in Chicago. And they were doing like the exact same thing. Like they had huh. some kind of... I want to say it was like a big, like plastic kind of kid's storybook hmm. or, or it, it was something I'm like half remembering stuff from ages ago, but it was something where you would like press a button on like a plastic toy and it would do that kind of chirping sound. And you had like a companion app and it'd be like, okay, when it hears this particular frequency, yep. it would pull up like, here's a 3d model of a butterfly and you can like pinch and zoom and like move around. That's so funny. It's like that exact same thing you're describing. Yeah, it was it was brutal. I always thought it was a bit counterintuitive because the people who could hear that the loudest are the actual intended audience of kids. Yeah. But, you know, that was actually one of the best focus. That was the only focus test group I've ever been to out of a toy. And I just remember them bringing in this uh, these two these two little boys who just came in and from soccer practice because they had the cleats on and everything. They put the Furby in front of the kid. And the first thing this kid did was punch the Furby like, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> You never know what they're gonna do, but That's let's. Uh, I, I do want to get back on uh, on you though, which uh, and ask, you know, how when when you first brought us when uh, Graphite first brought us uh, Mr. Run and Jump as a proposal, it there was this twenty six hundred version of Mr. Run and Jump, which we're obviously bringing out as well as a physical cartridge that can be played on a twenty six hundred, which is pretty cool, and that game was awesome. So elaborate a bit on where that why does that game exist why did you make mr run and jump in the form of that 2600 experience yeah sure uh so yeah uh, it was probably around i've been saying i've been telling people like 2015 is kind of when that project started i think that's right it was it was kind of around that time so it, you remember from my whole backstory you know that's a, a couple years working at graphite um and uh, at the time, I was kind of looking at, well, I was playing a lot of like NES games. Um, so I, I was kind of, I don't know, I was just in like a weird phase where I was just, I was obsessed with like playing like the classics, like quote unquote, right? Like, you know, which 
you know, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Name but, names. Say it. What do you mean? I mean, you could elaborate. We are not afraid to talk about. We're going to have a whole block where we're talking about other games at the end of this. So, uh, so I, I was playing like, you know, I was playing like Metroid, like, you know, first Metroid and the original Zelda and, and uh, you know, the first three Mario Brothers and Castlevania and like Mega Man and like, you know, just trying to like uh, collecting these cartridges, like as many as I could get my hands on and and just uh but uh, but I say like you know the classics right because I'm like well, you know like I, I was born in '93 so I I grew up with like a PlayStation One right um, so I I feel like it's probably like Smash Brothers' fault that like I, I look at like oh Nintendo like this legacy Nintendo content is like you know these are the classics right like but uh, but really like someone slightly older than me would probably look at Atari stuff and be like these are the classics you know but um but that wasn't me uh classics were nintendo to me you know i, I don't know if that's you know heresy to say on this podcast but, i'm gonna say uh, boat i was i was born in 88 go ahead go okay ahead. yeah that's like yeah atari i mean i i remember giving uh this presentation like the whole thesis of it was like you know i work on games from before i was born like that's yeah. And it's like, how do you how do you make them something that would appeal to a more modern generation? Like that was the kind of the general thrust of it, because mm -hmm. Atari started and killed the industry <laughs> <laughs> by the time I was born. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I cut my teeth on the NES and SNES. Gotcha. But, but John, I remember you were saying that at one, one time we had dinner, you were explaining kind of this like drive you had to like make a game for each generation of console. Like when you looked back, like when you started to do that for 2600, like how did you even start that process of researching that or figuring out what you wanted to do there? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I, I wanted to like, so I, I was playing a lot of NES stuff and I'm like, I remember, I forget what game it was, but someone put out, uh, I forget what it was, but, but the, the thing was like someone put out this it was like a pixel art kind of like throwback game. And then they also put out a like SNES demake of it. And I, I want to say that was like the first time I heard of like, I'm like, Oh, people still make games for old consoles. Um, so I, I was, you know, I was playing a lot of NES stuff and I'm like, I think just naturally, I think when you, you know, since I make games and I, you know, as I play a lot of like a particular kind of game, I just kind of start naturally thinking of ideas for those. Uh, so that's kind of what you were talking about is like, I, I was reached this point where I'm like, oh, I'd love to make, you know, an NES game. I'd love to kind of like figure out how to like, you know, do that, that homebrew uh, process is kind of what it's called. Um, but then, yeah, as I was looking into it, uh, reading about, you know, NES stuff, I saw like forum chatter or whatever of people being like, you know, oh, you know, if you want a real challenge, you know, the real sickos, you know, they go in and they try to make uh, a 2600 game. And I'm like, hmm, like, you know, am I a sicko enough to give this a try? So yeah, my, like my plan was, I'm like, well, because it feels like a natural starting point, like, the 2600 to be like okay here's like the first like cartridge based console what if what i do is i look into this maybe spend a couple months and try to do something like kind of simple you know 
simple kind of straightforward whatever on the 2600 and that way i could say like i did it you know i, I did this kind of infamous programming challenge and then i can move on to like nes and then after that maybe i could do like snes and get into playstation and that was like my whole big you know dumb plan of like oh i'd love to make a uh, a game on like every like console generation and gonna be like a whole thing but uh it turns out the forums weren't lying to me and that making a 2600 game is is very very difficult uh wound up taking several years of like on and off like you know side project time to finally get it to a place i was happy with um but uh that's cool yeah, that, yeah. um so you mentioned like um like going back to these certain classics um what were are there other games like that are not like the such common um classics of like metroid or zelda that you think shaped you like what were games if you like think back to like the, the deep young john like what are those weird random titles that like affected your trajectory as a like as a creator as a programmer hmm you know that's a that's a great question i think you know when i was a kid i was playing a lot of you know like i say i was i was playing playstation one stuff so i was playing a lot of like crash bandicoot i was playing spyro i, I was playing kind of those hits you know i was playing a lot of rayman 2 uh but uh in terms of like weird stuff you know that's that's a good question i i know i had a buddy of mine who or a, a you know, a friend when I was a kid, you know, we were way into like the Neversoft Spider-Man game mm. and we got oh, to a yeah. point. Now, maybe it's not like weird enough, but like we got to a point like like I could sit down and like I could finish that game in one sitting. It was like my parents were kind of strict ish when I was that young of like, you know, you could play games for one hour. And so I, I could sit down and I could play that Neversoft Spider-Man game and finish it in that one hour. And so it would just be like every day I would go and play never soft spider-man you know every day just finish it you know every single time um i feel like it's weird it's weird because like back then there was not as much like communication like online or like there wasn't as much common knowledge at least for me about video games and so i had like you know i had like my my container of of nest cartridges and like there were ones in there that i considered to be Oh, like oh yeah, there's um, breakthrough, uh, and that's one of my favorite games. But like, I'd, I'd go to a friend's house and talk about. It, and they're like, never heard of that game before. I didn't know what games I had, whether or not they were big hits or not. I mean, if they were Nintendo Power, that was like the only way I really I could really tell. Um, but I think yeah. it's funny how there were so many titles back in the day um, that you I, know you'd, you'd find the ones that would kind of affect you differently. One of the one of the biggest examples I can think of of that is actually like, I think about Winback on N64. And I think I was the only person that popped off when Nintendo's like, yeah, Winback's going to be part of the N64 Nintendo switch online catalog. I was like, yeah, Winback, right? <laughs> we love Winback. Yeah. No, I'm like, yeah, come on. Winback. That's like when I, it, it's the precursor to kill switch. No one played kill switch and it's the precursor to gears of war. Kill switch is a really war. important game. That I think exactly. people don't talk about enough. That was a revolutionary game. Um, right. Thanks and, to yeah. Winback. <laughs> Never heard Winback. Real game. Real game. Right. I assure right. you. I'll trust you. Game. 
I remember uh, inheriting my NES from my cousin, and it came just with like a shoebox of games, and I was like, "These are the games that exist. Like this right, is exactly. the, the library <laughs> of the NES." I was like, played the shit out of like Russian Attack, Hell know, yeah. like a handful of there other games, go. and I was like, "Yeah, that's all you need." I'm, but I'm sure that you know now I know. Yeah, what it's you're missing out on. I, I find myself like in uh, like there's so many games coming out. And, like I kind of do try to do that. Like from time, like like I, I, for a while I was going on like my Switch and just going on the store and just like to show me everything. And I would just go after page and page and just wish list things that like you know as if you're like in a video store or whatever, like looking at the covers of stuff and be like, this has like a cool cover, and I would wish list it and just like you know. You know, if it went on sale, like check it out for super cheap or whatever. But uh, yeah, trying to like harken back to that of just like, I don't know what this is. Like, you know, just trying to like, you know, uh, I guess I was going to say dumpster diving, but that's maybe given things like too little credit, you know, just, but just trying to be like, you know, what, what's like my kernel of interest? Like, what's drawing me to this outside of like, oh, it's like a big game, you know, it's got like great critical reception. Everyone's talking about, you know, XYZ. Um, that's the that's the biggest thing that I miss about um, like renting a blockbuster. Renting games at Blockbuster was the best because, you know, what's the worst case scenario? You get a bad game and you have it for four days, three days, whatever it was, right? Yeah. But just that idea of like flipping it, like, this looks cool, this looks interesting. Then you go back and roll the dice. That was that was <laughs> awesome. And I I didn't have that knowledge. I remember one of those games that I that I happened to pick off the shelf was donkey kong country and that was the first game that i remember playing so long that when i blinked i would see the game <laughs> and one I remember time very distinctly faxanadu that game was uh, available to rent at like the our local video store and i would be like i rented it like multiple times it's like a side scroller like fantasy action game I think oh it's yeah like, i remember this game yeah but i was like obsessed i don't know why i yeah well, the other was. thing I think also because it was like just out of reach. I was like, I can only play it for like a weekend. Very I think there's also something to like the the social media sphere and the public influence that will change the way you think about a game. And when you mm. have that completely in a vacuum, and maybe it's just because you're a kid and you don't know any better, right? But like I didn't know Mega Man Soccer was a bad game until I heard people on the internet talking about that being a bad game. So I will pose this question to you guys. What was a game that you liked that is notoriously considered a bad game because you didn't know any better back in the day? Does it have to be back in the day? Or can we like it can be anytime. Game? Yeah, it can be anytime. Whatever. I just think it's a fun topic of conversation. Yeah. Wow. Look at you guys just with the flawless taste. Stumped. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there. I can't think of like a good one. I do think though that like I was just I was gonna pull out my like any. I have all my NES cartridges over here. I don't think I have all of them because my mom like sold off a bunch of them. Um, like like it means California game. I mean, I don't know who said that they were bad. Um, sometimes I think general consensus. I love Skate or Die. Um, Skate or Die Two. Like. Such a classic, dude. Well, you're a skater. Yeah. Bias. Um, I don't know. I feel like, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything that major comes to mind. Do you have something that comes to mind? Is that why you brought it up? No, I just I just thought about it as I said that because I mentioned looking through the the video store. Brand, I'm like, I like Mega Man. Mega Man plays soccer. Let's give it a shot. And then I play it, and I'm like, this game's pretty dope. And then uh, it turns out everybody hates that game. That's terrible. Allegedly. I remember. Um, I thought of one. Uh, you ever yes. hear of Tiny Tank? No. For uh, PlayStation One, it was like. Uh, <laughs> He was like a little yellow, uh, little yellow tank. He was like a little kind of, it was like cartoony, but like oh, not sure. like cartoony, it's a, cartoony. But it's a hat. Looks like a rare game. Yeah, it's giving me um. Oh, what was that? Jet Force Blast Gemini. Core, like oh. Blast Core Frogs. I'd have to look up. I forget who who put this thing out, but I've heard people talk about Tiny Tank, and they're like, "Oh, terrible!" And like, I think I turned it on. Maybe earlier this year, or maybe last year, I turned it on just for kicks, and it's like, yeah, it's like it's like not great, but I love the look of Tiny Tank, and there's something about like the music. You know what it is? It's kind of like it was that Gex era where like this is a character yes. who like, oh, he's got a lot of tood and and he swears, yeah. <laughs> and like it's kind of funny. I I guess my you know, my, my parents would have bought this for me. Like I was too young. Like, you know, I, I, it's funny that, you know, this kind of, I guess, like went past their radar. Um, you know who published it was MG, MGM interactive. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's cool. I want to, I want to quickly go to the chat here because there's actually some people who are uh, jumping in with some fun conversation here. You got golden boy, golden boy jr. Saying ET and then Davpa uh, jumping it. Uh, he is going to bat for ET, saying it was not a bad game at the time and still isn't bad. Then we got John Maynard, Maynard saying Firefighter by iMagic or Magic. It was so bad, it was good. I mean, come on. Some of these are good games. Outrun is not a bad game. Trendboard. I don't know what Mac 3 is, so we'll assume that's one of them. Uh, we got Monkey Hero for PS1. Never heard of that one. That was by uh, Scott <laughs> Robertson. He's throwing that one out there. Do you know that? Someone know Monkey no. Hero? No, I'm like looking up all these games. Um, this is great. Did you guys ever play Breakthrough? Do you, guys, do you guys know this game? Have you ever heard of this game for NES? Breakthrough on the NES? I loved this game. I same similar to what you were saying on uh, John on the um, on Spider Man. I could play this game in one sitting, and it would like oh, yeah. if, if you beat the final part, it would just start over again, so you could like see how many loops you could do. Um, <laughs> man. And I think I, I got this at like we used to, I don't know if, if Fedco was like a thing that was all over the place, but we had like a old place called Fedco here and they in the behind the after you go shopping for well, you know, like clothes and food and stuff, I'd always beg my mom to like take me to the video game section and I would like look around at everything and try to find something that like was cheap enough that she could buy. I think I got it there. Um that game was awesome. Yeah. Well good stuff. Um, well, look, I do. I want to bring this back to, uh, what are we talking Mr. about? Hmm? Yeah. Sure I want to bring this back to, I want to bring this back to Mr. Run and jump. And I want to, I want to wrap up this, uh, segment with, uh, with a very important question. Everybody can have an answer to this. So, uh, you know, so here's, here's what I want to know. Uh, why is Mr. Run and jump better than super Mario wonder? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> Now, keep in mind, Super Mario Wonder is a game that we have not played. Nobody knows. So <laughs> we are we are just purely speculating here on why Mr. Run and Jump is a better game. So, John, you want to start? 
Uh, I'm gonna say, um, hmm. I'm. <laughs> Why is it? Well, yeah, I'll play the trailer while you think about it. Yeah, play the trailer while he thinks about it. Then we'll come back. got an answer who's who's gonna be the one to first he, uh, it, he thinks it's because it's gonna be more challenging which, uh, uh, it's probably true uh so i was gonna say yeah i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm gonna say it's a faster paced game than what i assume super mario wonder is gonna be i'm gonna say it's gonna be a little more yeah like precision platformery nail biter kind of you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a little more heart pounding than Super Mario Wonder. Uh, go out on a limb and say that. I'm also gonna I'm also gonna guess that maybe our approach to level design will have a more layered, interesting effect than maybe Super Mario Wonder might be. And keep in mind, I haven't played it. Wow, Josh doesn't ask for Super Mario Wonder. I only asked for one. He's just throwing them out there like he's just throwing. Shots I, at uh, Sumero. Wonder, Mark, what do you got? Oh, for reasons why it's gonna be better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just self-evident. I don't even even need to go into detail about it. <laughs> All right. I have a, a question though for John. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. What up? Uh, yeah. I'm curious about sort of the process of adaptation of like going from the 2600 version to what we're releasing next week, like. You know, obviously there are similarities in terms of, you know, overall design and character and the enemies you face, but I, I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear about from you about sort of like what you felt was important to carry over to the, to the modern version. Like what is the like essence of Mr. Run and Jump that like makes it, you know, the same game? Yeah, that's a great question. I think. You know, because the, the classic game is pretty simple, right? Like, you have your character, you can run, you can jump. You know, really, uh, I, I, for a while, while I was making that classic game, I was kind of thinking about, you know, like the, the classic Atari thing where it's like, you know, the graphics are like, you know, here's like a red red square moving around and it's a green, you know, and but then it's supposed to be like, oh, but the red square is actually a, you know, uh, space dragon and you know the gray squares are actually ufos and you know i, I was kind of thinking about that like because i had like the character and like kind of the game running before i really understood what it was right like what it was supposed to be like thematically and i was like for a while i was like oh maybe 
you know, maybe he's some kind of spaceman, like, you know, the his space suit is what gives him the weird kind of head snout shape. And uh, eventually I kind of like ditch that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, I kind of like that it's an abstract character and kind of this abstract world. And he's kind of just like this, you know, I, I think of Mr. Run and Jump like the spirit of platforming. You know, he's just this, you know, boundless en- entity of, you know, endless energy who loves to run and jump, you know, and and he kind of lives in just, you know, abstract platformer land. So uh, I guess in that way, you know, I, I, I look at like the character as kind of the most important part. You know, I think he's, you know, just like a cute little guy. Right. And I, I, I wanted to keep that, you know, energy. I, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I guess, explore too deeply. You know, I, I really like that, you know, here's like the spirit of platforming, you know, made manifest in this little character. Um, and then, you know, as far as like what we carried forward, you know, I, um, you know, leap, uh, the dog character is kind of in, or he's in the classic game and we kept that formula going where in the classic game, you're going, you know, uh, leap is there and he's running, he's running towards the dark realm and, and you are, you know, Mr. Run and Jump is trying to chase after him to stop him before he gets lost for good. Um, so we kind of kept that dynamic where it's like, okay, every level opens with Leap, runs out of the portal, and he's he's off, and you're kind of always chasing after him. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other big thing was kind of the, you know, the realms of color is kind of the, uh, the, the setting of the game. And I, I really liked that you know, in the classic version and the new version, you advance, each world is themed after a different color of the rainbow. So I really liked kind of that natural kind of like, as you, as the game goes on, the worlds get redder and redder and they become more intense and harder and stuff like that. So, um, you know, those I think are kind of broad elements that I'm like, these are kind of like the key things that make run and jump kind of recognizable as a, uh, you know, as a, as a game, as a product, but, uh, gameplay wise, you know, it was, you know, it's, we've been kind of pointing to like Celeste and super meat boy and precision platformers like that as kind of our, uh, you know, as like analogous, like, Oh, if you like these games, you'll like Mr. Run and jump. But that kind of like that comparison is kind of post hoc. Like we really kind of came to it, in uh in a natural way you know um where like i didn't necessarily set out to make a game you know like celeste or like those it's more like you know just kind of naturally you know run and jump classic has like the one hit deaths um and uh uh, you know kind of a a natural precision-y platformer kind of feel like that and it's like all right well we kind of take you know take that into the modern age and it's like Oh yeah, like these games are kind of a, a natural analog for that, um, and gave us a little something more to work off of. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that the, the spirit of platforming. Yeah, when I think of the game, like I often like I think of it where like pure, like that's when I like talk about it and talk about it internally, or like like it's like pure platforming. It's like it does what it says on the tin. You know, it's like you run you jump and like you know sometimes that's all you need you know to like make a a, like that plus 
sort of the panache that you guys have put in with the visuals uh, and just overall like game feel that's like, you know, when you put that all together, it's like a super compelling product that like feels like totally modern at the same time. It, it, it does carry that through line from, you know, your 2600 version, which, you know, came out two years, like but, <laughs> but uh, you know, as obviously harkens back to decades ago. I like to kind of imagine I have like this fantasy in my head where it's like, oh, like, you know, run and jump was actually like before Mario Brothers, you know, did you know that there was, hmm. you know, a platformer before then? Like, I, I kind of think of it like, you know, the pseudo prototype for platform, like, oh, secretly, you know, everyone thinks of Super Mario Brothers as like, you know, where modern platformers come from. But uh, but it's like, you know, I, I just imagine the fantasy of just like, oh, actually, did you know that? this old Atari game before Mario brothers was doing a lot of things that, you know, they were doing. So <laughs> that, that was kind of a, a fun, just fantasy. Like I say of like, Oh, you know, uh, it's kind of like, here's this game. It's actually like the prototype for like what platformers would then become, but it's just a, yeah, the essence, like the core, like the, just the, just the basest elements of kind of what the genre is. And that was actually one of the coolest things about playing that 2600 version at first is how tight it controls mm -hmm. and how those modern sensibilities really come through in the most basic package. Like it's really cool and it's tough to explain without actually playing it. But a lot of times, you know, you go back and you play these games and there's like a certain level of it's people figuring it out, right? So there's always a little bit of old thought. Something feels a little too heavy, a little too janky. The interface isn't quite there. There's something off about it. Whereas, especially when compared to, you know, an industry that's 51 years old. So when you play something that looks like that and is as simple as the games back in the day, but with that modern sensibility, it's like really cool. It's like, what if we had the knowledge we have today with the technology back then? It's like, it's kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, definitely. And that, that was kind of something I was keeping in mind as I was like setting out to make that 2600 game. I'm like, I'm like, okay, like if I, well, I, I wanted to do, cause the, the limitations of the hardware are, are such that, you know, I mean, it, it's like, you can, you can make something that maybe looks a, a little more visually impressive than Mr. Run and Jump. But uh, what's cool about Mr. Run and Jump is like how much content is in there, like how many levels there are, how many screens. And that was like a, a matter of like, I'm like, well, I, I kind of want like a, th that's, that was kind of the trade-off I wanted to make was like, I want this to be like easy for me to get in there and like do kind of the rapid iteration that, you know, modern game dev is really kind of all about. And so I made like a level editor in Unity that would pump out data that I would plug into the actual Atari code. Um, so I could like, go in there and yeah, use like kind of modern level creation techniques to make, you know, the stuff, uh, you know, the, the levels for Mr. Run and Jump in Unity. And then, yeah, like copy paste some like, you know, raw data out of whatever file I spit out and, and put it into there. But, uh, but yeah. And then the other thing kind of on that, on those lines, you know, uh, like I guess the modern inspirations for classic run and jump was like, working in tutorials into the game itself where, you know, the first world you're in that blue world, you know, takes things really slow and like old, like 2600 games, like, you know, 
they expect you to know how to play from like reading the manual. Right. But, um, but something I wanted to do was make it so like, okay, like we take you like, here's the first screen. It's got one spike in it. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's to teach you like, okay, you know, here's how you jump. And then next screen has two spikes in them. And then you jump over two things and then, okay, here's a, here's, you know, a, here's a gap. It's like twice as big as you're used to jumping. Like, okay, here's, you know, here are the limits of how far you can jump and, you know, okay, here's a, here's a skull now, you know, here's an enemy that moves. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, just really slowly kind of walking you through just like, you know, all the core elements, like one at a time. And, and by the time you get through, you know, the end of that blue world, you're kind of uh, familiar with like, you know, here's, I, I've kind of learned, you know, not everything because there's other enemies and stuff like that. But like, I have that like foundational knowledge to play the rest of this game. That's awesome. It's yeah, an it's interesting really... point about the the um, the twenty six hundred games back then. It was yeah, you really like you you were coming, you were j- thrown directly into that game experience more more often than not. It wasn't there was rarely ever any sort of ramp up. Um, it's an interesting point. Yeah, it's something like yeah. I think someone in the chat said uh, you know ETU is better than people say, and. Uh, I know like, you know, Matt Rathel, my boss, you know, mimics that opinion as well. But uh, but one thing he pointed out to me was like, yeah, like people look at that game and they're like, oh, like it's completely obtuse and no one knows how to play it. But it's just like you you read the manual and there you go. Like, you know, is that like, you know, is that great? Like, meh, maybe not by like modern standards, but, you know, you read the manual and that's how you play, you know, like any kind of board game or something like that. So, uh but cool. yeah, it, it gave me kind of a different perspective. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess like the manual is not just a place to see like cool art and like, you know, look at like fun pictures and, and things like that. It's like, oh yeah, this this was here for a reason. It's because you had to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Well, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that deep, di- deep dive. Um, Mr. Running Jump is coming out um, next week, July 25th. So if you haven't wishlisted it on Steam or on your console of choice. I know a lot of people watching right now are ready for the VCS and yeah, it'll be out for that day and date as well. So be on the lookout for that. Now we're not done. I want to wrap up. Oh, go ahead, Ethan. I just wanted to say too, like if you pre-order the game, we have pre-order discounts live on Xbox and Nintendo. So if you uh, pre-order the game, you're getting 10% off for those pre-orders. Yeah. Cool. Good call. Uh, all right, so before we go, this is how I always wrapped up all the other uh, podcasts, and I want to do the same thing here. And uh, what? You you want to know if Ethan prepared another uh, sweet transition oh. video. <laughs> he sure did. Let's watch it. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> what are you buying? What are you selling? It's real good. Now look, Got some rare things on sale, Jason. <laughs> wow, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ethan and Mark both know that I'm a big fan of um, random, uh, random generation for creating orders of things. So that's what I did before this. And John, your name actually came up on top. So what do you what are you playing these days what do you what are you playing now or if it's if it's not worth talking about what do you played in recent history that you want to talk about 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, you mentioned this was going to come up, so I, I thought about uh, uh, something I played, not, you know, not immediately, but uh, or not super recently, but I played uh, Humanity, oh, it was sure. a new game by, um, oh man, I, I forget the name of the studio, but it, it was the, I guess it was the folks who made Tetris oh, Effect, yeah, and then they they published this. I guess it was a different right. team that actually made this one. THA uh, Limited is what it says online. Yeah. Um, but this is the one where you play, you know, it's it's funny because it you play as like a white glowing dog, like a little, uh, like a Shiba Inu. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's like Leap, you know. Uh, but it, it's a puzzle game. You play as this little Shiba Inu in kind of this, you know, abstract puzzle land. It's like a 3D puzzle game. And the world is made up of like 3D blocks it kind of all stacked on top of each other and, and it makes like the stage that way. And then you, uh, there are like doors, like glowing doors where just an endless stream of humans, you know, walk out of, and they just walk in a straight line. And you, as the dog, you go around the, you know, the puzzle stage and you place like directions, you know, on these tiles that kind of direct this stream of people and you, um, so you can like, you know, turn the stream, you can split the stream, you can tell them to jump. And the goal is to kind of navigate like this, you know, person stream, you know, to like a specific goal. Um, but it, it's got such a great look to it. I love kind of the the abstract kind of like low poly kind of, you know, just. I don't know. It's got like a very pleasing look to it. And what's cool about it is like, you know, the puzzle solving is really nice. Like it's really satisfying to like solve one of these things. But once you're done with it, you kind of have almost this like interactive diorama of like, you know, here's like, you know, and, and the game like leans into it too, where it will really kind of like, you know, fly around, like spin around the stage and kind of show you your handiwork and and you can see like just this endless stream of like, you know, here's people like jumping off into space and like climbing up walls. And like it, it, it it's got like a really nice, there's probably a good like, you know, German like compound word to describe the level of, of, uh, you know, visual satisfaction here. But, uh, um, by playing that, uh, you know, that came out around the time I was playing like tears of the kingdom and I, I turn this on, I'm like, you know, forget Zelda, you know, this humanity is where it's at. It looks like a heck of a technical achievement, too. Just like how many like um, characters that they have constantly on screen moving, especially for the PlayStation. Yeah. It, and it's nuts because you can set directions where they just like, you know, walk in like an endless circle. And so it's just like this endless stream feeding into like an infinite loop and it just gets bigger and bigger and more people. And I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here. What kind of, what kind of, yeah, like visual, like GPU magic they're, you know, weaving over there to, to make this stuff happen. But it feels like you should like run out of memory at some point. Uh, right. Spectre. It's, the mag it's the magical, uh, solid state drive that they got. Uh, that's probably not true, but how could, have you played Choo Choo Rocket? No, I haven't, but I'm oh, okay. Because what I'm you're describing like, sounds sounds like that. And I didn't actually make that connection until you're talking about it and telling me more about the mechanics. So yeah. I've only seen video of this game, but it sounds awesome. All right. Humanity. Yeah, it's good. Do you recommend and then Oh, sorry, what was that? I was gonna say, so would you recommend people checking out? I guess sounds like you're pretty positive about the game. Yeah, I, I think it's great. You know, it's 
you he know, said I, I don't like Zelda. So it said it, it sounded like it distracted him from Zelda more. So that was I, I certainly, I certainly that, like yeah. it. You know, at least on par with Tears of the Kingdom. Wow. Okay. And there you go. Yeah, but I think it's uh, actually free on free, quote unquote, on uh, PlayStation Plus. That, that I, there's no reason not to check it out. You know, I know like puzzle solving, like pure puzzle solving is not everyone's cup of tea, but but it does really go some interesting places. Like eventually you're kind of like directing this like stream of people and like you're walking them over like power ups where like they walk over a tile and they'll get like a sword or like a gun or something. And at oh, that point, it's oh. all, it almost there's like a stream of like anti people. Uh, and and so what you do is you like arm your guys and like direct the stream so that they like get into like conflict with like the you know negative people and like it almost becomes like a pseudo like strategy game which i'm really into where it's like okay like okay i'm not gonna face the enemy stream head on i'm gonna flank them to kind of get you know at a different angle and and cut them off like that and like like really, really interesting stuff like that. And like when everyone's got like laser guns, the visual cacophony just even gets more intense and more satisfying. And I'm like, oh man, this game rocks. It's awesome. It's good stuff. Mark, Mark. what do you got? Uh, so I started uh, Dave the Diver, which is mm. like the oh, yeah. indie game of the moment. Um, it's really good. I, I haven't gotten far enough in it to like, because I right now I'm in like the core loop which is like you you are dave that's a portly deep sea diver you're like hunting for fish underwater during the day with like a harpoon uh and then at night you are feeding that fish to patrons at this sushi bar so it's like hybrid of sort of like this action game and then the sushi bar section is like a kind of like time management like cook serve delicious sort of thing where you're like bringing out orders filling up people's green tea you're making money there, which you then invest in like better scuba gear, which gets you farther down into the uh, into this like lagoon you're in, so you can like get bigger fish. But I know from there, like all this crazy stuff is supposed to happen. I mean, spoiler alert: it like it expands. There's like more to the game than what I've seen so far. But even in the bit that I played, which is just like a an hour, hour and a half, it's really it's really fun. It has a great like pixel art style to it, and um, yeah, I'm like I want to go back. Once this call's over, uh, I'm like, keep playing it. Uh, <laughs> so let's wrap it up. Uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I have a, um, I recommend it already, but I'm sure I'll, I can give a heartier recommendation once I get a little bit deeper in and see some of like the, you could tell that there's like mysterious stuff at the corners of the world that'll like start with time to be revealed as you go deeper and deeper. Nice. Yeah. Well, so I, I am next in the list here, and I've been playing uh, a game on Switch called Master Detective Archives colon Raincode. Uh, you don't pronounce the colon. That is just the symbol of the colon. Um, this is, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this because I don't even know where to begin, but I'm going to keep it brief to spare everybody. Uh, this is the follow-up to the Danganronpa series from that same creator. I'm a big fan of Danganronpa which is a murder mystery game of a whodunit where you trap a bunch of kids in a in a one place and then slowly but surely uh, people start getting murdered and then you got to solve some mysteries. This game blows open the scope of that. New characters, new everything. So if you're curious about that kind of game, then this is an interesting place to start. I don't 
I got about 30 hours into this game so far. I really like it. Whether or not it's a truly great game, I don't think I'm really ready to say that. <laughs> like it's uh, <laughs> because it's very much this linear whodunit, and I find that it's rare that I'm not already on the up and up going into the actual solving, and I feel like I'm always so many steps beyond uh, ahead of the of the protagonist, which is pretty rough. And then it takes so many different twists and turns. So you're but that said, like the cast is so endearing and the world is so interesting. Like you have this, uh, you have this city uh, Kanai ward where the game takes place where it's constantly raining. And even though it's on the switch, it's still like stylistically really cool and very impressive visually. And, uh, and the cast of characters, there's so many characters in this game, like Dangarampa, they, every game has 16 characters and they just slowly murder them one by one. So you have this core cast that you really can relate to this game. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's one of the guys with uh, was a big backpack. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the detectives. Uh, this guy's a, a bit of a pervert. That's his, uh, that's his personality. And that makes, why does he need a big backpack like this? Well, because every detective in this game has a forte and the forte in the lore of the game in the in the world is like that's what makes a master detective so that guy has his forte is he's a master of disguise and anytime he needs to change he jumps into this giant backpack and he could literally transform into any person it's not just like put on a costume like he can literally change gender and all that stuff it's kind of wild yeah, there's another guy. Um, I, I forgot what his forte was. Um, but what a forte really is in the context of the game, it's like here's a here's just a thing that will allow this mystery to exist <laughs> as like another thing for this puzzle. So it's fun. Um and it's interesting. If you the, this is the kind of game where you watch the trailer, and if it's something that you're like, this seems interesting, I might like this, then you'll like it. If you're watching it and you say, Nope, not for me. It's not for you. And that is perfectly okay. For me, this is my jam. Uh, I love this guy's work. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily as engaged with this as the Danganronpa games, especially more immediately. But mm. um, as I'm getting more into it, like I'm hooked, I'm into it. And it, honestly, looking at my playtime and seeing I put in 30 hours, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. So that's a, that's a good sign of, uh, of a game like this. So really That's kind of interesting. I was into my two uh was a fan of danganronpa i played yeah. them all i played uh yeah i was losing my mind at the end of v3 oh my uh, god I was, like, I was like screaming at the tv i'm like oh my <laughs> god i can't believe they're doing this uh <laughs> we should we'll talk about that offline i i gotta uh, i gotta know i gotta know i didn't realize you were uh, a danganronpa guy i literally oh, have yeah. a uh a monokuma picture like on my desk and uh, there you go i i mean i saw your avatar like when i when we first joined the uh the uh the atari chat and i'm like i feel like i understand who this jace guy is uh pretty well already yeah he uh, tries to uh, uh imbue the personality of a murderous bear um <laughs> ethan what you got what do i got for games that i'm playing game recommendation pick one and then we'll uh and then we'll get out of here well I... okay do you want me to just so you're trying to speed me along i see well, I have been playing. Uh, I usually have a like a game that's like for like I'm constantly playing um, that I go to when I'm trying to like unwind. Uh, and right now that game is Diablo. Um, 
I, I don't know if I'm really liking it or not yet. I don't know oh. how I feel about it, but I've put a, a good number of hours into it. Uh, but then I and then this, I usually also have a game that I'm playing that's more like kind of like beginning, middle, and the end. And um, I, so I just started Oxenfree Two. Mm. Uh, Oxenfree Two came out. Um, Netflix presents Oxenfree Two. Exactly. Um, so I, uh, I actually worked on that game for a little while. Mm. And I, so it's been interesting to go back and, and play it and see where I've been off the game for uh, more than a year, I guess, or a year. Anyways, it's been a while. So it's been interesting to see, you know, the final product. And again, I also don't know how much, I, uh, how much I'm into that game right now either. It's just like, it's such a, like, after a long day at work, sometimes I need just like fast paced action fun, just like to help me unwind. That is like, a game to like warm up next to the fire, you know, with you know, with a glass of wine and just like, you know, it feels like super relaxing and it's really like a it's beautifully done and painted and like um, the pacing of it is it's a lot slower. So I have to be in the right mood to play it. Hmm. I totally get that. But it's uh it's it's gorgeous. Uh, so you should check it out if you're interested. And you like yeah. those types of games much more narrative focused than our than our than our normal stuff. Yeah, I really love their uh, their last game, the one and uh, I'm like blanking on the name right now, where you go to hell and have to. Oh yeah, what is with that the, uh, After party. After party. Right. Great game. Really hilarious as well. I love the premise. I I don't usually jump into those kind of games, but when you tell me the premise is that you go to hell and the way to get out is to beat the devil in drinking games, I'm like, yeah, okay, you got me. <laughs> That's so bonkers on it. So it's good stuff. All right, well, let's wrap that up. Let's wrap this up. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. Um, Mark? Yeah, it was my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Great. Yeah, it was uh, really interesting uh, to learn about everything, uh, learn about your journey. And, uh, and dive deep into Mr. Run and Jump. So really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll wrap that up. So John, is, is there uh, where can people follow you? On Twitter or anywhere else? Do you want them to? Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter is probably the best place still. I, uh, uh, that's at John Makula is just my name. Um, all one word, all lowercase. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't quite made the jump to another you know, social media yet. So I'm still kind of on there, still hawking my wares, you know, talking about run and jump and things like that. So, um, but you can also, um, you know, if you, if you like the sound of my voice, you know, you could check us on, uh, you know, graphite lab, uh, does a stream. We've been doing a stream every Friday to kind of hype up run and jump before it comes out. Um, so we've got a, that's twitch.tv, uh, slash graphite lab. Uh, you can see me and, uh, studio director, Matt Rathel, uh, we, uh, uh, we're going to do, uh, tomorrow it's at 5 PM CST. Uh, and we're actually going to, I think the plan right now is to look at like, uh, some early like prototypes and like vertical slice builds of run and jumps. So I've been kind of like digging through our repos and like assembling some of that. Um, and maybe take a look at like the game design document, kind of like uh, some like kind of behind the scenes stuff like that. So you know, if that's your bag, you know, uh, follow us there to twitch.tv slash graphite lab. Awesome. Check that out. And, uh, and the last thing I'll say is that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this on podcast feeds, uh, 
rate us, review us, say good things about it. Uh, those things help the algorithms. So try to raise some visibility and get some more listeners, get some more engagement. And that's it. I mean, I got, I got nothing else. Mark, any last words? No, this has been great. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, we are so excited for the launch of Ranjan next week. It's crazy. I can't believe it. We're there. It's been a long time coming. I know. Ethan, last words. Yeah. Um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And with that, we will see you next time. And there will be a next time sooner than the last time. So we will see you guys soon. Thanks for listening.